Welcome to the 2017 Make Publishing Fun Summit. I'm your host, Katherine Kemp Guilet. This summit will give you actionable information so that you can prepare, plan, produce, publish, and promote across your publishing journey. This summit also aims to make publishing fun. That means allowing you to pursue your creative life and get your book out of your head and into the world with a smile on your face. My guest today is John Kramer. John is an expert on book publishing and marketing. The owner of Open Horizons Publishing in Taos, New Mexico, he is the editor of the Book Marketing Tip of the Week newsletter. John is also the author of a number of books on publishing and marketing, including 1001 Ways to Market Your Books, Book Marketing 411 for Authors, and Celebrate Today. He has also designed the Book Marketing Magic Program and the Blog Tour Palooza Program, which I love. So thank you so much, John, for joining us today. Thanks, Catherine. So I've got your book. I mentioned this in the pre-interview convo, the 1001 Ways to Market Your Books, 700 pages (laughs) jam-packed full of ideas. If somebody has their book and is trying to figure out ways to get it into the hands of people that the book can help, they can come right to you, they can come right to this book. They can, and and that's why it's designed that way. It's designed to help authors to sell more books, and not just the book, but also my book marketing bestsellers uh, website, uh, where I you know, upload all of my latest ideas and thinking. And I noticed that you had just gotten my newsletter also uh, that I sent out last evening. I did, and I looked. What I loved about that is that you list places that one might not normally think of in terms of who's selling books. Because I think a lot of times authors think, well, the way to get my book to people is to get it into bookstores, to get it into libraries, and that's where they stop, right? Or maybe Amazon and, and you know online retailers. But what you're talking about is you're talking about a whole different market, actually, where your book might have a better chance of being picked up because in specialty stores, they might have a limited number of books. So I kind of I thought that was a little there were some genius tips in there and you included contact information, location. So if somebody, you know, for example, had a book that included pets, there was a pet contact in there where you already know they sell books. So you can contact that person and say, here's a reason to carry my book. Yeah, and that's what I try to do. You know, I also have the database of the top independent bookstores so that people, if they do want to go through bookstores, that's a really good resource for that. But what I try to do with everything that I offer is just help people, help them figure out how to write their book, how to publish it, and how to market it. And let's talk, let's specifically zone in on the the marketing of the book, because I think what's happening today is there are so many books in the market, and there's so many great ideas, and there's so many authors that want to help people, but they get discouraged when it gets to the time of publication, and then those months following publication, and they don't see those sales going up. In fact, John, I read the other day that the average book sales in the United States is around 250 copies. So it's really difficult for people to kind of really get their work out there. What are some of the ways, let's pretend we're talking with an author right now that really has not seen, maybe they've seen a few hundred um, copies sold of their book. What would be some ways that you would suggest right off the bat for them to increase their sales? 
one of the ways, but it's not unnatural for authors, is to get out there and speak. Because speaking is one of the best ways to create word of mouth for your book. And word of mouth sells 80% of all books. That means that somebody tells somebody else, hey, you got to read this book. And that's what really matters. And one of the best ways to get that is to speak uh, either live or in something like what we're doing right now in a podcast or um, a teleseminar or a fun summit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And what one of the jobs I have is to pull out fun nuggets from some of the advice that you have. And you just had two great nuggets. So I'm going to summarize them. One, nugget number one is that speaking is one of the best ways to build word of mouth buzz around your book. And the next nugget, nugget number two, is that word of mouth could be 80% of the reasons for your book sales. So we've really got to work on word of mouth. And I want to dive into those two nuggets in a little bit more detail. So John, you talked about some places for speaking as being live or being you know, on a webinar or a podcast. Uh, what would be some places where you would send people if they go, well, I don't have a lot of speaking experience. Where do I start? The thing is, you just have to bite the bullet and start somewhere. And probably the best place to start is at your local bookstore or your local library because they're going to be open to local authors and people are forgiving of authors. So start there and you'll be, you know, well set in terms of having a friendly audience to start to share what you have to share. I love that advice. Nugget three is that you should go local when you're getting started on your speaking career. And you're absolutely right. So much easier to reach out. If you're a woman, you could reach out to a local women's group. If you're a business professional to, you know, a meet and greet, you know, local business gathering or rotary club. There's actually, if you think, if you start to think through the, the places that people convene, you can get really creative without having to drive more than an hour from your home. So I really think that that's a great piece of advice for people to start local. And then once they've got five, six, seven engagements, speaking engagements under their belt, then they can start to reach out to a broader audience, get on podcasts, do webinars, participate in summits and so on. You know, if nothing else, you can always start with a Tupperware party at your own home, but it's not Tupperware you're selling, it's your book. And it's certainly possible to just invite your friends over to your house or have a one of your friends host an engagement with you and your friends at their home. And that makes it really easy for you to get into it. Because once you start talking and about what you're passionate about, you're going to be pushing people away. I mean, you're going to be like... When I first started off, I was always just full of butterflies, and every time I was getting ready to speak, it was terrible. But very soon, I was having somebody introduce me on the stage, and they were taking too long to introduce me, and I had to get up there and push them off because I wanted to get out there and speak. And that's what's going to happen to you once you start doing it, is that you will fall in love with it because it's just basically sharing what your passion with the people that are there. 
What a great piece of advice. And John, I have heard you speak in so many forums and you are so comfortable. So what you just said, I think is really important to highlight, which is that, and I'll call this nugget number four, speaking begets speaking. Meaning even if you're terrified at the thought of getting up in front of 10 people, you just have got to start. If somebody like John Kramer, who has a huge audience and has been in front of thousands of people used to have butterflies, you just have to start with the mindset that you're going to speak because it will beget more speaking. So thank you for sharing that, John. It's it's always amazing to me when I look up very much to you. And so when I hear you say that you had your humble beginnings too, it's it's just heartwarming to hear that you'll share that. I don't think there's, there's any speaker who didn't start off with butterflies. It's just a natural response. All you have to do is you just have to get out there and speak because eventually you'll be comfortable. And that's the key because the comfort and the passion that you speak with is what's going to get people to want to share what you shared with them, with their friends. And that's the uh, second nugget we talked about, the word of mouth that sells 80% of all books. Let's talk more about that, about the word of mouth. And, and I'm, I just want to also highlight that you said something super important, which is that the mindset should be about sharing, not selling. So if yeah. you've got a book about pets, you know, I'll just think of that, of that newsletter that you sent out and there was some pet stores that or pet. Um, um, yeah, it was pet stores that, that carry books. Maybe you want to have a party at your house, and so you invite pets, and you're sharing you know, your, your love of pets with other people, and you might happen to have your book there too, but the mindset is more about sharing as opposed to selling, and I think that that also builds comfort in what you're doing. So I, just, I thought I'd just paint that example because I thought that was such a, a powerful thing that you had in your newsletter and what you just said about mindset. But let's talk about word of mouth. How can we build word of mouth? If it's 80%, that's where we need to be focusing. Well, you build champions you build your fan club you build your tribe because that's what's going to uh, create the word of mouth so your job as an author is essentially just to make enough friends that are passionate about what you write about that they will share it your book with their friends with their tribe with their uh, audience whatever it might be just as you're sharing me right now with your audience I love the idea of building a tribe, but I think a lot of authors say, oh, it's so hard. It's one thing if you've got thousands of people already on your email list, for example, but it's another <laughs> wait thing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> the thing is, nobody has a thousand people on their list. We all start with one. Bingo. And then we get yes. two, and then we get three, and then we get ten. And the thing is that you have to start somewhere. And the thing is that what you do is you just start building that list by offering them something free. I mean, I know one author that he started to just talk his book out. Essentially, he did a podcast. And this was about 15 years ago when podcasts weren't that hot. And the thing is that he just started reading a page a day. And by the time he finished his book, he had 80,000 people listening in and avidly saying, when's the damn book coming out? <laughs> I love that. What a great idea. And was this a, a fiction author or nonfiction? It was fiction. Okay. What a great it could, idea. It could easily be done with nonfiction as well. And the thing is that people buy into 
when you share. And when you're doing like a podcast of your book, as you're writing it, you're going to start to build your audience. You're going to get people that will say, I can't wait. Stop podcasting and finish writing. You know? <laughs> well, it's such an important point, which is that your, your tribe begins with number one. And in fact, that first person is just as important as that 10,000th person, right? And I think we, we tend to just go, oh, you know, my list is so small or whatever. I don't feel very important. Why I don't have anything to say. But what you're saying, John, is that you value that first person, that second person, that third person, and you just speak to them, and then it starts to grow naturally. But the thing is that you also partner with people that do already have lists. So when you're starting off, what you try to do is find other authors who would be interested in interviewing you. And one of the best ways to get an interview is to do an interview. Because the minute that you interview somebody else, you're building a deeper relationship with that person. Uh, if you get along, if you enjoyed the interview, you know, you start to build a relationship. So there's a good chance that you'll do something else with each other and that's one of the ways so you know i always encourage authors to interview other authors to set up a podcast and start interviewing podcasting isn't easy i mean it takes work even though you know it's only like maybe 10 minute podcast or 20 minutes or half hour there's things that you have to do ahead of time make sure the person shows up and things like that but the advantage of it is is that it really starts to build an audience and build awareness and, most importantly, build relationships with people that already have an audience. That is so important because there's really three ways today that we can really connect with our audience. We can connect through audio, which I personally love. We can connect through text. You know, I kind of feel like you're the king of that, right, with all of your books and your newsletters. And then we connect with video. And you know, a lot of people are starting to really enjoy you know, putting up their videos and having a YouTube channel. So that's another way that people consume information. So I guess a person listening can just say, hmm, do I like audio? Do I like text? Or do I like video? And then just pick one and dive in and really focus. Would, would you agree with that, John? I do. But personally, I think that in terms of search engine optimization, you do all three. What mm -hmm. I do is I write a blog post because I'm a writer first. If you're a speaker first, then you would speak out the audio. But then you translate, let's say like the blog post, you translate it into a video. You just speak out your blog post into a video, and then the video can be easily translated into an audio. So you don't have just one blog post, you have three. You have the blog post, you have the video post, and you have the podcast. And that way you have three pieces of content all centered around the same keyword-rich content that search engines love that will get people to start to come to your website. And then you do that again the next week and the next week. And all you do is, it doesn't have to be long. It can be, you know, 200, 300 words. And the thing is that right now, I presume I'm primarily talking to writers. So, gosh, you know, 200 words is nothing to most of us. And it's an easy thing to do. I always do it. I always start by writing because that's what I'm most comfortable doing. But I do know people who are who more, they're much more comfortable 
speaking into a microphone and so that's how they create their content but that content is easy to translate into a blog post and into a video post that's such a great nugget there john so what you're saying is that if you're an author and you really want to start building your tribe and getting your messages out there you start with the format that you're most comfortable with and then you repurpose that content so that you can reach your audience in the way that they like to consume content so text, audio, video. If you're going to create some piece of content, you might as well go across all three of those because you're going to reach more people. And the thing is that the audio platform, once you set up your podcast, and there are a lot of uh, probably kids that could help you set up a podcast if you don't know how to do it yourself. But you set up a podcast and it's automatically, once you have it set up, syndicated to iTunes and Google Play and a lot of different other websites so that you don't you know once you post it on your website it's going everywhere to all these high rank sites that are providing a link back to your website and then you can do the same with video so you go on to uh, YouTube and you share it with Facebook and you, you share it on Instagram and Twitter and um, Vidme and Vimeo and a number of other websites and boom all these are high traffic websites that are going to start to leak some of that traffic to your blog post to your sales page for your book got it I see that great strategy and do you think John that it's a good idea to set a goal in terms of reach so say you're an author say you're starting with tribe follower number one on your email list <laughs> and you're and you're looking at these different um, metrics and maybe it's just number of email subscribers to your list do you think it's a good idea to set a goal of this is how you want to grow your tribe or do you think that that's too metrics focused and not message focused I think goals are always worth setting but the thing is you can't be driven by the goal to the point that oh, I didn't hit a 1,000 subscribers in 60 days, woe is me. You know, that doesn't work. If you're going to set a goal, that's just uh, a way of measuring are you succeeding to the level you want to. If you haven't, that just means you need to work a little bit harder to do something to um, meet that goal. But it doesn't mean, oh, woe is me kind of thing. So it's important that if you set a goal, don't let it, dominate your thinking what you want to do is just start to grow one person at a time that's so much easier i call that sort of like the baby steps approach where you do set a goal but you just kind of break it down into very very small steps so you celebrate each one as as they happen so every subscriber you can you can celebrate and i know you know, from listening to you on different summits and podcasts that one of your goals as you set out in this big world of publishing is to own that space in book marketing. Like that was one of your biggest goals. And so what was, what were some of the action steps that you laid out when you said, I am going to dominate this space? The main thing I do is I create, I continue to create keyword content so that my website, Google loves my website because it's full of book marketing advice. And it's all free. It's available there so that you can go there at any time and pick up motivation, pick up information, pick up resources. And what you do is if you continue to create content that's related to your audience, they will keep coming back to you because they find you to be a resource that they want. 
many of them will set up some sort of a way of reminding themselves, whether it might be a, a, a feed or something like that, that just reminds them, oh, I need to go back to bookmarketingbestsellers.com this week because I know John will have some new content. Okay, so it's really about just consistency. Decide you're going to create content and be consistent about it. And and a lot of people I've heard say, oh, Catherine, this is, we're in this free economy. And you're right. You just said, John, you can go to your website. And there is just a plethora of information that you can get for free. How do we draw the line as content creators between what we want to offer for free and what we want to offer for paid? That's, I think, something that people struggle with today. Personally, I think you can give it all away. And you'll still sell a lot. You know, when Seth Golden gave away creating the, uh, unleashing the idea virus, he gave it away to over half a million people. But when he put the book out for sale, he sold 40000 in the first couple weeks. Really good point. So this is a good nugget, folks. Don't be stingy with your content. Be generous because when you give, creates the circle of giving and, and getting. So don't be stingy. I think that's a great nugget to remind And the thing, is, the thing is that people consume content in different ways. So they may like coming to your website, but they also like that book that has all of it organized in a reasonable way that you know, that an author gave thought to in terms of how he presented the content, how she put forth the idea, so that you get a package of a thought uh, that really is organized. You know, a website is sort of organized, but a website sort of grows the same way a college campus does. You know, I've been, there's a, a thing that they talk about in college design. They say, you know, as a college grows, you keep building new buildings, and then the path and sidewalks no longer work. And, you know, so things, you know, the way that it was originally organized doesn't work. So the smart, you know, college designers, what they do is they wait for the students to create the pathway and then they build the sidewalk. Oh, that's such a great idea. So they already see where people are going. (laughs) Yeah. And so they know where the sidewalk needs to be built. But, you know, it's complicated because as you grow, a website grows, the paths start to get lost also. And so, and it's harder to see where people are going when you're on a website. You know, there are some website tracking tools, but I haven't really found one that's really good in terms of telling you what stopped people, what really helped them, uh, why did they go this direction, what links did they follow. And, you know, so you try to conceive, at, you know, in terms of your menu at the top and the sub menus. What are people going to be looking for? What are the key words that they're going to want to find? And you try to organize your site to help them find the content you know they want to find. But as you grow the site, as you write more content, it gets more and more complicated. And so you just hope that you're providing enough links to each other that when somebody, like the other day I shared a uh, blog post on when and how to use pen names. And this grew out of a question that uh, one of my readers had. And then I had to link that to another blog post I did on pen names so that they were connected. And, you know, you have to think about things like that to help people find the additional content and resources that you have. You know, for me, when you're doing a blog post, you know, I think 
when you create a website for an author, most authors think, well, I create this page, I've got this book thing, I have the media page, I have my book sales page, I'm done. Now I can relax and wait for the sales to come in. But the thing is, your website only gets discovered if you have enough content on it to make it possible for people to discover you. So that means that you need to blog. You need to have a blog. And the blog should be something that adds additional new content at least three times a week. And that's what I really like about the idea of doing a written blog post, a video blog post, and an audio blog post. Because you only have to create one piece of content and then just format it in three different ways to do your three blog posts a week. And the thing is that people are going to find it then. That's so important. You're absolutely right. Google does not like stagnant websites. And so I've heard it said that content is king. And I've heard Michael Hyatt say that platform is queen. (laughs) But I might say that based on what you were just saying, that maybe packaging instead is queen, meaning you've got the content, content is king, but then it's all about how you package it. So like you said, even if you're blogging the same content that might be later turned into a book, people appreciate how things are packaged because it makes the consumption of the material unique, different, more desirable, and so on. So I think you're right. Not only do we need to be thinking about being consistent and being active, but we need to be thinking about how we're packaging things because people really value that. And don't get stuck on just doing a book because you can take that book and make it into an audio book if you want to. You can take that book and make it into a seminar. You can take that book and make it into a membership site. You can take that book and make it into a consulting service or coaching service. There are many ways. People consume content in different ways. And that's why you want to do the videos, the audios. You want to offer other possibilities. And the funny thing is, if you get stuck in the idea that all you're doing is selling a book, you're going to be stuck the way most people are, selling 250 copies a year or a lifetime of a book. But if you think of a book as a business card, now you can allow that book to build opportunities for you to be a speaker, to be a consultant or coach, to be a seminar leader, to be uh, you know, a, a membership site owner that's building content for people. And all those ways are very valuable. They make it easy for uh, your people to consume the content in the way that's comfortable for them. There are many times when, you know, I charge $600 an hour for consulting. You know, that's a lot of money. But there are people that will pay me $600 an hour to basically take my book and apply it to their specific situation. So I will take the 1,001 ideas and say, here are the five things you should be doing for your book based on what talents you have, what time you have, what money you have, what relationships you have. And it's worth it. So there are going to be people that say, buy your pet book. They're going to probably call you up and say, what do we do in these situations? My wife and I just had a consultation with a veterinarian who moved out of our area, so we can't take our dogs to him anymore. But he wrote a book about it, and all the contents there in his book, but my wife still likes to ask those personal questions. What about our dog? 
Yes, yes. That customization is so key. And you're right. We do, as authors, need to move beyond our books and look at the other opportunities. You mentioned speaking, you mentioned consulting, you mentioned membership sites. And I think that's extremely important, especially when you start getting into publicity because publicity can be expensive. So you want to be thinking about those other things that are going to bring in more revenue really before you start going on your publicity tour. And so I wanted to talk about that with you, John, because you've got a lot of great ideas in, I mean, I'm just looking at all of the the tips here and you have in, in your book. Uh, and so when I think of publicity and you have these all here in your book, there's radio, there's TV, there's podcasts, there's book blog tours or service blog tours, you know, value added blog tours and things like reviews, which get the word of mouth going. If you were, and I know this is very specific, if you were uh, a newer author that didn't have a huge platform, but you were just starting to get beyond the book and thinking, let's just say you have a seminar also to offer with your book. John, as a as a publicity and marketing expert, what would you uh, recommend? Is it t- is it TV these days? Is it podcasts like you mentioned earlier? Where would you say this is where you should start on the publicity tour? Well, I would rarely start with TV uh, unless the author is media ready. If they've done some TV, if they've done radio, and they feel comfortable standing, you know, sitting with a host in front of hot lights and things like that, and speaking to possibly millions of people, um, then you can jump right in. But most authors are not ready for that. So you have to start by probably doing podcasts. And the neat thing with podcasts is that there's thousands of them and thousands of them related to your topic. So you don't have to look that hard. You go into uh, iTunes and you search for the related podcast for your keyword term. And you'll find lots of them. And then you can go search some of the other podcast search engines, which, again, I have a list of them on my website. So you can go there and you can find, you know, the podcasts that would would love to uh, interview you. Because I can tell you, and you probably know this too, one of the toughest things about doing a podcast is finding people. And when they come to you, you go, God bless you. <laughs> you know? I, yeah, I do think that that can be very time-consuming, time consuming, especially when you have a new podcast. You know, once the right. podcast explodes, it starts to become like a restaurant. If it's very popular, you have a line out the door, and then it's like right. managing getting people in. But that's such a useful tip because I also agree that starting with podcasts is the way to go. The other thing about podcasts is you don't have to modify your message too much to be this kind of like soundbite thing. And right. I learned that kind of the hard way by you know doing a lot. I mean, I've done podcasting as well, but you know, you're right. The, the lights under the, you know, when you're on TV, those are hot lights and it's a fast period of time. And you've got, you know, you've got to put everything in these tiny little sign, sound bites, which does require some media training. So um, unless you're really good at sound bites and you kind of have nailed that through some other experience, I agree. Start with podcasts, go from there, get some experience, sharing messages, adding value, and, um, and then go from there. What would one be? Of, one of the things that I did, you know, that I found the way that I ended up creating a lot of my, what I call sound bites, is by speaking. Because when you're speaking in front of people, live especially, you see what they respond to. And so it's real easy to say, oh, I got to remember that and, and add that to all my talks, you know, because the sound bites really, 
people actually more important than sound bites is the stories you tell because people remember stories and they remember sound bites they don't remember abstract ideas they don't remember all the other things but they will remember the stories you tell and the passion that you told them with I totally agree. In fact, brain science will tell you that stories actually go to a different part of our brain versus like where we store information and statistics. And we actually remember stories a whole lot better. So let's, let's kind of wrap up the podcast with a story, John. I'll kind of tell you what I'm looking for and you can think. Um, so if, is there an author that you've worked with where maybe they came to you? And again, I think a lot of times people think of being an author as like being in a cabin and writing and kind of introverted. And that's what, you know, that sort of like mysterious idea of being a writer and an author. But when it really comes down to it, you, you should be spending 10 times the amount of time you spent writing on the marketing and publicity. And I, can, I think that can be a shocker to people. So the story I'm looking for is maybe an author that you've worked with that you know where they, where they came to you and got your help and maybe we're able to move out of that writer's cave and move into you know all the great nuggets that you've talked about today, everything from speaking to producing ongoing content and really starting to build their tribe and get out of the cave and do that awesome you know marketing and publicity. Is there a story that will inspire people to say, okay, I can do that too? <laughs> yeah, there's a, an author that I've been working with in Australia. And uh, he... He was really interesting. He was thinking, I have to create another book. He's already written, I think, two books. And he was thinking, I have to write another book. But I was looking at his, uh, he does a daily diary. And he was writing down notes and, and basically a sort of stream of consciousness writing. And I look at his notes and I'm going, this is incredible stuff. You don't have to wait until you finish writing a book. Share your content, your stream of consciousness. It's incredible. And so what he started to develop is what he calls his talking diaries. And I think he actually has talkingdiaries.com. Uh, I think he got that. And uh, the thing is that he started, and he loves it because he loves sharing content. Uh, he did get it, but it's not up yet. Uh, but he loves speaking out his information and doing it in the spontaneous way that he's been maintaining his diaries uh, every day and it's much better for him because eventually he will get a second book out of it but why not share the content in the native form that he's creating it oh that's such a great idea because what he's doing he's also changing his mindset from just being completely focused on the book and yeah. thinking before the book and after the book and kind of getting out there so that people recognize his name and recognize his genre and his area and so that's what you're that's this whole idea of building a tribe that's such a great that's such right. a great idea and and he's he's already got now 30,000 followers on his fan page and on Facebook so he's starting to build a, a really worldwide audience he's got actually probably half the people are from South America because he did a Spanish edition of his book. Oh uh, my gosh, does he, does he do his talking diaries in Spanish? He does. Oh, that's so cool. And, and you know, he, he shares a lot of his content in Spanish. He used to be uh, a Doctors Without Borders uh, doctor. So, you know, he uh, spent a lot of time in, in South America. And so, you know, and in... 
he actually went to college in Spain, and now he lives in Australia, and he was originally from the Netherlands. You know, so he's a worldwide guy, and uh, he's he's really fun uh, to work with because he's open to those ideas. He said it was so magical when I said, look, you don't have to finish the book. You have incredible content you're creating every day. Share that. Create a membership site. There will be people that would, I mean, I would just love the way he thinks and the progression of the ideas uh, each day that he does. It's just fascinating to watch him do it. And can we talk a little bit about the, the membership site? So yeah. it, when you talk about that, do you mean something where it's like a Facebook group or it's like it's an online uh, site where people can get access to different course materials? He, he's doing it as an um well, right now he's actually doing it as a iPhone app. Oh my goodness! Wow. Okay, and, I mean, this and, is new to me. This is great. And he's sharing the, you know, he's essentially selling the app, and then, you know, people get the additional content every day delivered to them through their iPhone. And I think that that's a, a really neat way. It's still being evolved and developing, but it's it's fun to watch what he's doing with that. But he's also creating the regular membership site uh, on a WordPress blog using membership software and uh, making that accessible as well. He's still, you know, he's a full-time doctor at the same time. So, you know, everything goes slowly. But the neat thing is that the one thing that he loves doing is that everyday diary. He gets up like four o'clock in the morning and works on his diary. And uh, it's really the most beautiful content. And it's all about uh, becoming happy and uh, becoming enlightened. And, and he, he just talks about how you can follow your own thought streams to discover who you really are. So I love it, and uh, we came up with the idea of the Talking Diaries, and he loves that. Oh, it sounds beautiful and inspiring, and I think one of your genius traits, John, is that you really people you help people get out of the box, right? So even just in that story that you told, it got me thinking like, hey, I speak Spanish, like maybe I should start doing some more things with that, and maybe more things with the audio, and I never heard before of an, of an iPhone app where you can share content on a daily basis, so I think that's one of the, the greatest things that you have is with all of your experience in the publishing industry, you can really get people out of that box, so I would say that's probably the, the sort of... Um, going to be the header for this uh, interview of the summit is like, get out of the box, right? With, with John Kramer and all of his great ideas for, you know, for getting your book out of your head and into the world, but also thinking beyond the book and also really some great ideas for marketing and publicity. So folks, you can go to bookmarketingbestsellers.com. That's my favorite place to find out more with uh, to connect more with John, and you can buy his books. Um, one of my favorites is this 100 or 1,001 1, Ways to Market Your Books, and um, that's for authors and publishers. And John, would you have any last um, parting advice for, for aspiring authors, or have we really covered it? <laughs> no, we haven't even begun to touch, <laughs> there touch you go. it. But Perfect. the key thing is, you know, your theme, make publishing fun. The thing that I really, really work, when I work with authors individually, is I always try to find out what they love doing, because that's the venue that you want to use in marketing. Because if you enjoy something, you'll keep doing it. 
But if you don't like doing it, you won't do it or you won't do it well. So, you know, there are all these ways of marketing and somebody will tell you, well, here's the new hot way to market. And you try to do it, but you hate it. You know, I'm not that big on making videos. I've, I've forced myself to make videos in a sense um, because for me, that's not my natural venue. But I'm doing more of it anyway because I know it's important. But the thing that I love doing is sharing content. I love writing blog posts. So I still spend a lot of my time when I create content to share, I do it in blogging. Now, one out of 10 blog posts I do, I do as a video. Now, I'm working with experimenting with that because as I said earlier, I think that every blog post should be a video and an audio as well. It's just that some of my blog posts are too big to make into a video that wouldn't be, you know, would be an hour or two hours long. So, you know, you have to think about how you're going to do that. But the key thing is find things that you enjoy doing and do them because those are the things you would do well. If there are things that you think are important to do in marketing your book and you hate doing them, find somebody that loves doing them and hire them. That's such a great idea. I mean, just thinking about that doctor that's in Australia and, and what he's doing, it sounds like he's having a blast and therefore is having success. So I think that I think another great message that we got out of this uh, just very short conversation is that we need to be thinking about marketing as love, right? I think sometimes we think about it as, oh, it's a little bit of drudgery and all that, but it's spreading love. It's doing things that we love. And if you don't love an aspect of it, like you said, outsource it. So just so many incredible nuggets of, of value and of information and such a short period of time. So you're right. We only touched the, the tip of the iceberg. So folks, you can always contact John, get on his newsletter. It's it's full of nuggets, so you can get that every single week. Again, his books, and thank you so much, John, for, for your valuable time and sharing today. Yes, thanks, Catherine. It was a fun, and I hope we can do more things together later. Absolutely.